All the sleepless nights, the plaques and awards, the name on your back, the shoes on the court. Wait your whole life just for this moment, but you better own it. You better own it. Hey, today we want to talk about player empowerment. Hey, welcome to the Own Your Talent podcast. I'm Jelani Floyd. I'm Daniel Poneman. Yeah, it's been crazy. Like, it's been a lot of conversations happening. Um, I think, like, you know, what, like, uh, private equity firms can now invest in NBA teams. Uh, but there hasn't been, like, much of a conversation about players and where players stand. So, you know, uh, funny story, won't mention any names, but... I got a friend who hit me up. He was in New York, you know, and he was like, man, your partner is out here. and He's owning the room. Um, and I just thought it was really interesting. So, I mean, tell tell the I'll people tell the about that story. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind saying who I was talking to because it was I mean, he was very gracious and cool about it. Like I was I was in um, a conference in New York at Goldman Sachs. Um, it was actually the first event that Goldman ran post covid. So everyone was really excited. And it was a, an event about um sports team ownership mm-hmm. and we were lucky enough to you know be invited private event mark lazary the owner of the milwaukee bucks was there who's a goldman client and a lady uh named anita i forgot her last name who was a professor at harvard business school and they did and they did basically a class it was like basically a college class for you know goldman uh employees and and clients about sports team ownership and i would didn't like come in and it was like Oh, I'm a sports agent, like pick me. You know, I was just there to listen and learn. But as things went on, the conference kind of uh, devolved or evolved into somewhat of a debate between me and uh, Mark Lazary, you know, me from the agent perspective and him from the ownership perspective. And what we really talked about, the, the, the topic was small market teams and how to get big stars to stay with small market teams, obviously with Giannis signing a Supermax extension in Milwaukee being the topic of discussion. And you know, people were throwing out different ideas, you know, of, of how you could get stars to consistently stay with small market teams. And a lot of interesting things were brought up. Like my main point initially was, you know, money for some people, money is the motivator. Oh, well, you can keep the Supermax here. Or, you know, maybe if you go to L.A., you can uh, start a production company and make more money off the court, this and that. But as a millennial myself, I know a lot of millennials aren't actually driven by money anymore. For a lot of us, it's about um, happiness and fulfillment and where are we going to feel at home and feel welcome, where's our community? And I think that's a huge reason why Giannis stayed. It was money, but also a matter of, you know, that was his community, those were his people. And a lot of people, it's like, oh, I gotta go to LA or New York because I'm gonna be a star and start a production company and do this and that. But that's not, you know, again, as a millennial, not all of us are like that. Some people prefer to live in smaller towns or, 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 or smaller cities. Some people don't want to be in that in the bright lights and in, in that mix. You know, Giannis is a kid from, from Athens, Greece. You know, yeah, maybe he, he enjoys Milwaukee. He enjoys the community they built around him. They took care of him. They helped raise him. So I think, like, each person's unique. And we really were talking about that a lot of just kind of the – you can't look at players as a category because each player is an individual person. Um, and the next thing that, that brought up, you know, I raised my hand. I said, well, the best way to ensure small market teams can keep superstar players is to give them equity in the teams. And of course, you know, the, the host of the panel, you know, said, well, that's against the collective bargaining agreement rules. Teams can't give equity to players. I'm like, well, obviously we're talking hypotheticals here, but if they want to amend the CBA in the future to allow teams to give equity to players, you know, be it, you know, not every player, right? But it's, 
you know, uh, right now there's a criteria for a super max contract. You have to, you know, reach a certain number of all NBA teams, you know, all-star teams. There's, there's a certain criteria for you to be eligible for a super max contract. Right. Um, why isn't there, you know, a, a criteria for a super duper max where you can, maybe if you play for a team for 10 years and you make five all NBA teams at a certain point, you're going to get some equity stake in that franchise. Ultimately, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks have increased by hundreds of millions in value since Giannis has gotten there. And if he left, their value would decrease significantly the next day. Why, why does he just get cash? Why can't he buy in? And I think for a long time, there was this, um, owner uh, player uh, mentality, right? It's like, well, these are the owners and these are the players and they're just employees. But ultimately, um, I think we should go to a place where the players participate and they are part owners because they, they deserve it. They, the players are the league. Um, so me and Mr. Lazary went back and forth. We debated a little bit. He didn't really love my idea. Um, I'm sure he didn't like the argument either because a lot of these guys trying to say, well, we don't make money and we have a lot of expenses. Uh, how did you like respond to that? Yeah, well, I think that's a tough thing. Like I think during the collective bargaining agreement um, negotiations, a lot of the owners always use that as as a, a bargaining point, right? They say, well, we're paying the luxury tax and we're losing money. And a lot of the small market teams lose money because we're small market teams and the big market teams are paying the luxury tax, so they lose money. But my point to that was, well, okay, if you lose 20, 30, $40 million in a given year because you're paying the luxury tax to, to win games, but your franchise is increasing in value by a billion dollars every decade, are you losing money or are you making money? It's like saying, you know, and, and I think, and I was talking to Mr. Lazary and he said, you know, well, we're not selling the team, so we're not realizing the profits of the increase of value of the franchise. So, okay, I get that, but is that, that's like saying, I'm not selling my stocks, so the, that, that them going up, I'm not realizing that value. That's not true, that's still right. contributing to your net worth. You still, you still have that, you can sell them whatever you and want. And they still borrow against that as well. They, Absolutely. You know, which they don't say, and they're able to, you know, kind of evade taxes and different tax write-offs are available which aren't available to the players because they are employees. employees. And uh, all of the basketball players, NFL alike, they pay more in taxes than their team owners do. Yeah, and I, I think ultimately, like, actually, Mark Lazary is one of the best owners in the league. They're willing to pay the luxury tax. They're willing to invest in their franchise, and, like, I respect him a ton. But mm -hmm. I, I actually think the concept of ownership of a sports franchise by an individual should become extinct eventually because i don't think it like a lot of people live and die by their local franchise they their right. their days weeks months their happiness is affected by the success of these franchises and the fact that like an individual deciding to be cheap or or splurge can affect the wins and losses or hiring their friends or making bad hires can affect you know the wins and losses and then affect the happiness of the community I don't, I don't think that's fair. And I, I think there's like this, you know, old boys club of people, you know, rich billionaires who own teams and use them as tax write-offs and to host clients and make a bunch of money while these players are employees and while these fans live and die by the teams. And ultimately they're, it's like, they should be community organizations. I actually like the Packers model where the fans can buy a part of the, the team, but what's crazy is the fans can buy a part of the team, but the current players can't. It's right. against the rules. And right. I don't think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting, too. I think like now we're living in this era, right, where you got like 
the Robin Hood, the Bitcoin, where people are taking ownership of their future. And I think like athletes should have this right. And, you know, so with the NBA um, players, I mean, LeBron is just as valuable to the NBA. I mean, to the NBA brand globally as probably anyone is Jerry West and, and Michael Jordan. Right. And like how much the game has grown since what LeBron came into the league, 2002, 2003 mm-hmm. dra- you know, so like as much as that and LeBron has literally been the face of the league the entire time. I remember being a kid and watching LeBron's first game in his Zoom Generation 1s versus the Sacramento King. I remember LeBron James' first NBA game because it was so much hype. And you're right. It's like collectively, as great as LeBron has been, he doesn't have any equity in the Cavs. He doesn't have any equity in the Miami Heat. He doesn't have any equity in the L.A. Lakers. I mean, the L.A. Lakers were dead. Until LeBron decided, hey, you know what? It's convenient. It's L.A. I got a production company and obviously location. Um, but it's really interesting. And I think that this conversation should be pushed along further because now the NBA is allowing private equity firms to invest in up to five different NBA teams. That's a lot. So now these hedge funds and different people all have like minority stakes in these organizations. And it's really just about the money. It's not about fan loyalty or a player. And as we always tell guys, and, and it's tough, it's a tough pill to swallow. But when you're a basketball player, you're a product with an expiration date. Us as agents, owners, GMs, our careers can go as long as our brains work, right? And that's a lot longer than you can, you know, excel physically. So it's a very interesting um, topic. And, you know, I, I know I can understand why, you know, Mark probably was defensive because a lot of players aren't able to articulate, you know, what you're able to articulate and say, hey, and these guys do get defensive when you start talking about, show me the money. Like, I'm selling jerseys. I'm bringing people out. People coming out to see me play. They're not coming out to see, see you or, or whatever. And I mean, and it's an entertainment business, but I think that that's going to be a huge battle, this next collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, and it's like you look at um, LeBron and Nike. He, uh, he has equity in that Nike. He owns stock in Nike. I'm sure he has tons of stock in Nike, and that can increase in value over time. It's not, it's not just paid in cash. Any, anybody can buy stock in Nike. And, and, and the crazy thing is it's, it's, it's like explicitly players can't, while they're active, own 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 uh, a piece of a team. And you know, the owners will say, you know, another argument I've heard is, you know, oh, well, we split the revenue, you know, pretty much 50-50 between the players and the owners, but the owners have to take on all the expenses. Well, there's 450 players and there's 30 owners. I mean, there's, there's minority owners or whatever. So it's like, yeah, there's individual owners who are making more than star players, and they can do that for 50 years where these career spans for players are short. There's just a lot that, that you know, mostly white owners, mostly black players. There's just like a lot that feels inequitable about it. And I, but I do feel like we're shifting towards that space. Like we're having these conversations and, um, you know, it, it's 
we're getting closer and closer to that to that place and i trust adam silver honestly to guide us to that place i think 10 years from now we're going to look back and there will be a mechanism for players to have equity in in the league and in the teams maybe it comes when the league uh, expands into africa and europe and now it's like okay maybe you can't own equity in your current team but they're going to give players opportunity to buy into the international arms so there's not a conflict of interest where if you own a part of a team and you get traded and you're playing against the team that you own okay well let's you can own one of the minor league teams or something and but there has to be a way there has to be a way it, it's only right and um i think we're working towards that place yeah, and i think the players association probably collectively could launch a fund with guys that allow and and maybe if it's not the players individually themselves but it's like a specific fund that says hey as the you know the mbpa hedge fund right and so now this hedge fund that you can participate in you can now invest in all 30 teams you know and i think that that would be a good idea but i guess like as of today right now as the recording of this podcast players aren't allowed to like take ownership you know in teams right but what do you think what are some ideas you have that players can do now to you know take equity in their brands and like what would you advise um that they can do on their own outside of like ownership in a team yeah well i think every player has different thoughts needs feelings and desires i've talked to some professional athletes that want to be ceos and build their brand and have multiple streams of, of income and passive income and build it long after their career and i have no other guys are like i want to hoop i want to retire and I want to chill. And both things are cool. Like, I think there's pressure from society right now for everyone to be a brand and a CEO. And like, sometimes that's not what people want out of their life. Like I have one client who doesn't like social media, doesn't want to be on social media, deletes his social media often. Cause he's like, yeah, I, I can make more money if I had a brand, but is that extra money worth my mental health? Right. Um, but for the guys who do want that, um, it's never been easier and more possible to build your own brand and empower yourself and to, to take equity. And you know, each player, there's only 450 players in the NBA mm -hmm. and it's a global game. Every NBA player has a global platform because it's, it's, it's 450 people with billions of fans. And I always say, you know, social media, it's, it's fragile in a sense because you're putting your brand on something that's controlled by someone else, right? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. They're private, they're, they're, they're companies that are owned by people, right? So if, if uh, Mark Zuckerberg wants to change the uh, Instagram you know, algorithm, they can totally affect people's ability to make money on their brands. And that's scary to say, all right, build your brand on something that's owned by someone else. But at the same time, those social media platforms represent value. When we talk to uh, companies that want to give endorsement deals to our players, the first thing they ask is how many social media followers do they have? So when you're a player, if you work as hard as you can to put out content, to organically engage with your audience, to put out to, to put out content and grow your following, that's something you take with you after you retire. A lot of guys will retire and then say, all right, Dan, I wanna start building my brand. All right, well, you're retired. People don't care about you as much anymore. Right. There are former NBA all-stars that are on Instagram with 8,000 followers and no blue check. But yeah. if Instagram had been out when they were playing, they'd have a million plus. You know, it's like you see um, Kwame Brown is making a comeback now yeah. and he's getting his followers because he's talking his talk on, 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 on Instagram. But like, I don't even know if he has a blue check. And like, that was right. the number one pick in the draft. So my advice to players is, well, you have that opportunity to, to, to play and have that attention, 
put out content, engage with your audience. Don't just swipe through and click pictures and like them and be too cool. Like, no, put up Q and A's in your Instagram story, engage, you know, do giveaways, do, do things to organically engage with your audience. Cause the more it grows, that's value you take with you when you retire, you yeah. can make six figures a year just off your Instagram following and your Twitter following. If you grow it while you're playing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think a lot of guys like kind of struggle with that too, right? Like trying to find the balance and, you know, us as agents, we always want to say, hey, look, the first thing always got to be the first thing though, right? And that's performance on the court. I think a lot of times, you know, we run across some of these young guys and players and they want the entire world. And it's like, dude, first things first, like we can do a lot of this stuff. But you have to take care of business on the court. It opens up more doors. And that's not to say that we can't do anything, but to maximize, you know, opportunities, you have to do first things first. You have to perform on the field, on the court. And I think sometimes that, that that's missed as well. And you know, some of these some of these athletes, they're so young, they really don't know what they want to do, right? So they're trying to figure out and as they navigate through and you know, they learning and one year a guy like, oh, I don't want any tattoos. The next year he tatted up and he like, hey, I just invested in a tattoo parlor. You like, whoa, that's but that's because these they're so young, you know, and they're always developing. But I think us as agents, we have to really try and like get guys to say, hey, OK, when you're 40, are you going to still think like this? Are you still, or should we set you up for the long term? And I think that's the biggest thing is like always thinking about like the long term opportunities. Yeah. And in the meantime, while they can't have equity in the team franchises, they can have equity in their own franchise and themselves. Um, you know, it's like, it's funny. I, I, I came across Vince Young's Instagram the other day. Remember Vince Young, quarterback from Texas? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember seeing a story when the NFL had a lockout that Vince Young was like borrowing money at 30% interest rate. He was broke, he ended up flaming out of the league and I felt really bad for Vince Young. So I saw something pop up on Instagram where it was like Vince Young was named to some high school hall of fame thing. I'm like, oh shoot, let me let me click through and see how down bad he is. Vince Young has Vince Young Steakhouse in Texas, Vince Young uh, Real Estate Group in Texas. Vince Young is using the Vince Young name and brand to franchise and make him money. Right. And, Vince Young is a big name. He won the Heisman Trophy at University of Texas. And that was, you know, Vince didn't need social media. He was such a big brand that he was able to then parlay that into these businesses post-career. And it looks like he's really thriving. But every player has that opportunity if they really focus on it while they're playing to invest in the franchise that is themselves. Um, you know, whether it's building their social media, starting basketball camps and training, you know, um, starting it, you know, internet. I have one client that's starting an internet coaching business of jump training. He's a guy who jumps really high and he's teaching people how to jump and he's getting wow. subscribers and, you know, finding ways to leverage your platform while you have it to, uh, to build revenue streams. Like you might make $5 million in your playing career, but then if you have a strong internet following and you build it while you're playing and find, you can make more than that off of, off of it after you finish playing. And, right. and I think looking at it is like, well, one day we want guys to have equity in their, franchises but in the meantime take equity in yourself invest in yourself invest in your own brand take the time and energy and effort to do it and yeah posting on social media and putting yourself out there and building an internet business isn't for everybody not everyone wants to be the internet business guy but for guys who are interested in it and feel like that's something they want to do you got to start doing it while you're playing and there's a lot of opportunity there to do it and what's cool is that like 
for young people, I think a lot of it's intuitive. Like we were born in an era where we didn't have social media and we got it, so we had to learn it. Kids these days grow up with it. They know exactly how to navigate it. If they want to engage and grow, they know they know how to do it. Um, and then it's just about figuring out how to monetize, which is where we come in. Yeah, no, that's that's great. That's a beyond gym right there. That's a own your talent gym, invest in yourself. I think that that's really powerful. One more thing that I would add to this conversation is be authentic, right? Um, I think you alluded to that, but, you know, right, owning a team or doing music or art or fashion, uh, wine, that's not for everybody. Sometimes it may be you want to be a local coach or maybe you want to do a vertical jump training program. That's authentic to who those people are, and that's very important too, you know, so... I guess, you know, we'll leave everyone with that, making sure, you know, be authentic, be genuine and invest in yourself and stay in your lane, I think is is the biggest thing. Whatever that may be, be you. You don't have to look to the left or look to the right. You looking straight ahead. Yeah, Stay in your lane, but life is a highway. Yep. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. That's true. All the sleepless nights. The plaques and awards, the name on your back, the shoes on the court. Wait your whole life just for this moment, but you better own it. You better own it. You better own it. The talent is yours, but you better own it.